following is a continuation in our series looking at the lies that Satan tells us. We hope you enjoy. What's up, crew? Hope you all are doing well. Thank you all for coming on. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in and look at this third lie. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you so much that you love us, Lord. Thank you for these students, Lord, willing to engage the scriptures, willing to engage the lies that Satan speaks into our hearts and our ears and our minds. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to wrestle with these things, Lord, knowing that your scriptures are true and good so that we can better understand you and Know when Satan is lying to us, Lord. So I pray for these students tonight. Please be with us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So glad that y'all are able to jump on tonight as we continue to look at this study of looking at the lies that Satan tells us and how the scriptures speak in to them. So I want to begin by just kind of talking about love. We often doubt the love of others, and deep down we really, really, really want people to love us. Sometimes even more than that, we just really want people to like us. Many of us struggle with the understanding of what enduring, sacrificial, infinite, and unconditional love looks like. And I think this is because we always try to put God's love into human terms, and our terms are always going to fall far too short. So oftentimes our human relationships have taught us to measure things by ifs and maybes and becauses. I love you if you do this, or I love you because you did that. But God doesn't do that. He loves with that enduring, sacrificial, infinite and unconditional love, and sometimes we forget that. But even if we're able to understand that love, we often still have a struggle, and that struggle is that we may know someone loves us, but even deeper down, we want them to like us. And that feeling often translates into a way of thinking about God and how he loves and interacts with us. We think that maybe, yes, God loves me, but he really doesn't like me. But that's exactly the lie that we're going to look at tonight. The lie that Satan tells us that, yeah, God loves you, but he doesn't like you. So here's what I want us to see tonight. Because of God's unconditional love, he invites us into relationship with him. And inviting into relationship means he loves you and he likes you. So inviting us into relationship means he loves us and likes us. So let's first look at love. Go ahead and turn to Romans 5, 8 in your Bibles. I'll give you just a second to get there. What we're going to see in this passage is probably one of my favorite verses in regards to just this idea of our relationship with God. And in Romans 5, 8, we see, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does this passage tell us about his love? 
It tells us that we are unlovable. It tells us that we have nothing to bring to the table in this relationship except our mess. Now, we were still sinners of God until he loved us. And if you think about an enemy, they're unlovable and they're unlikable. But here's the cool thing. Even though that was true about you and I, God still chose to love us. In fact, he demonstrated that love for us by showing us that while we were still unlovable and unlikable, he still died for us. So we're unlovable. We also need to recognize that, you know, it's unearned. The love that God has for us, it's not earned. And I want to turn to Mark chapter 10. If you'll turn there in your copy of God's word, we're going to read verses 17 to 22 as we look at this idea of how God's love is not earned. So in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17, this is what it says. And he was setting out on his journey. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So ultimately, what was this man trying to do? He was trying to earn God's favor. He wanted to point to something that he did and say, that is why God loves me, because of these things. That's putting that relationship into human terms like we were talking about earlier. But here's the beautiful thing that we can miss from this. If you look in verse 20, it wasn't as if the man proved to Jesus his worth and then Jesus loved him. Okay, In verse 21, Jesus knows he still lacks something but he still loves him anyways. Oftentimes we think that if only we would get our lives together, get our stuff figured out, that God would somehow love us and like us more. But here Jesus proves that he loves even when we don't have everything in order. In fact, this guy was just about as close to getting his life in order as you can get But even those things didn't bring about love from God. It was God's choice for him. He said he loved him, not because of the things that he did. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, they take us away. So, What do we have to do? We need to lean on Christ's righteousness. And I just want to read. You don't have to turn there uh, right now. I'm just going to read this real quick. This is one of our beloved passages in the church, Ephesians 2.8. It says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift 
of God. See, God's love has absolutely nothing to do with our ability to produce anything good in our lives. It is in itself a gift given to you. And he does this because he loves you. And there's no other explanation. You know, works don't save. Works themselves are even gifts from God. This keeps us from being able to boast, as Paul says. So this love that God has for you is wonderful, but it doesn't stop there. See, from a worldly experience, we can be around people that love us, but they don't like us. They love us because they have some sort of familial or formal reason they have to, but they may not necessarily like us. It's like a parent that loves a child but wants nothing to do with their lives. Or a spouse that loves but has bitterness and hurt in their heart towards the other. A pastor who loves his sheep but can't stand to be around them. But here's the thing. God never does that in our relationship with him. He doesn't separate this whole idea of love and affection. They both come hand in hand. So turn to John chapter 13 real quick. We're going to look at this idea of the fact that God likes us too. His affection Towards us, And I want to read a passage about the washing of the feet because I think this shows just how much Jesus enjoys and loves his people. So in John chapter 13, verses 12 to 15, this is what it says. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place and he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, so that you should do just as I have done to you. So I hope you see what's going on here. Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. This is a very intimate thing. Yes, you know, a parent, even if they love their child but can't stand them, will change a dirty diaper because it's necessary. But think about the context of what Jesus is doing here. And these men didn't necessarily need their feet washed. Yes, their feet were dirty, but they probably would have been fine for the night. This is very different than the dirty diaper on a baby. That has to be changed because it's gross and it smells, and it's not safe for the baby. But Jesus is choosing to display his care for these men. He's choosing to show that the fact that he likes them enough to be able to do this. This is not something you do for somebody that you don't like. Okay? Even one who he knew would betray him, he still washes his feet. Okay? Judas was there. Judas was about to, to betray him. But Jesus still washed his feet anyways. And and that shows that Jesus cared for Judas. It wasn't like he just knew that Judas was going to betray him. And he said, you know what? I'll wash all these other guys' feet 
and you, you, sir, are going to have dirty feet for the rest of the night. No, he goes all in, and he shares his life, he shares his love, and he shares his affection, even with Judas. One writer says of Judas, aren't you glad that you're not like Judas, selling the Messiah for a little bit of silver? But wait, you are like him, and so am I. There's simply no denying it. See, we, we have a lot more in common with Judas than we think. Yet even he was worthy of Jesus washing his feet because Jesus was a servant. He came to love and to show his affection to people. I don't know about you, but I'm probably not washing someone's feet if I don't like them very much. But Jesus did. And why? Because Jesus is a shepherd and Jesus cares. If you'll turn back a couple pages to John chapter 10, I want to read verses 27 to 29. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29. And it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. One of the most beautiful pictures that we have in the scriptures is this image of the sheep and the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And sheep aren't necessarily pleasant by any means. They smell. They're not very smart. They bite. They wander off. They will get themselves into trouble at the drop of a hat unless the shepherd is there. But the shepherd is willing to put his life on the line for those sheep. He's willing to fight lions and wolves uh, to stay up all night in the cold to care for these sheep. and. What Jesus teaches us is that he loves his sheep enough to lay down his life for them, which he did. But we also see from the Bible that he cares for them, too. See, what John is telling us in this passage is that the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strengths. He knows their sorrows. He knows their joys. And he knows... Because he cares. The shepherd loves and likes the sheep. Despite the fact that they smell. Despite the fact that they're not very smart. Despite the fact that they bite back sometimes. He still loves and likes them. See, the shepherd's not sitting around waiting for the sheep to get their lives together before they're liked. That's absurd because it's never going to happen. And the same goes for us. Jesus loves and likes us because we are his sheep. And if we are able to get our act together, you know, that has no standing on his affection and love for us. It's already there. So I hope you're you're able to kind of see the way that Jesus shows his love and his affection towards us and, and how that teaches us that this is a lie that Satan wants us to believe, that God can love me, but he wants nothing to do with me. 
You know, I, I think about my family and my, my children. I have a vested interest in unicorns and horses, not because I'm particularly fond of unicorns or horses, but rather because my daughter Addie is fond of unicorns and horses. See, when Addie colors me a picture of a horse, it's not the quality of the picture that I care about. It's the fact that the picture is from her. And it doesn't matter how mad I am at that little girl. I love her to death. And I really enjoy being around her as well. And even though unicorns and horses aren't my thing, I take great joy in seeing her joy in them. Because I love her and because I enjoy being a part of her life and enjoying the things that she enjoys. In Zephaniah 3.17, we see God's joy in us when it says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Here we see the God who loves his people and shows that he likes them by rejoicing over them with gladness. And he sings over them. Satan wants you to believe the lie that there's something about you that is so unlikable, which in itself is very true. However, the lie comes when Satan wants you to feel like there's this chasm that that's just unbearable and it's shameful and it's It makes you feel like you need to be discarded unless you provide something to appease God. And that is where Satan wants you to be, but it's not where Jesus wants you to be because Jesus wants us to know that that is anything but the truth. I hope you're able to see that from the scriptures tonight. And if this is you, if if you do struggle with this, I want you to know that it's okay. But. We need to continue to go to the scriptures to change our process of thinking and change the way that we think about this whole idea of God's love because God wants us to rest and trust in his love and affection for us. He doesn't want us to believe this lie because he cherishes us. Just as we love him for what he's done for us, he cherishes us because we are his creation and we are his sheep. I hope and pray that the Lord would make that very clear to you all tonight. So we're going to break up into discussion groups here in just a minute. But before we do that, let me pray for us. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of the evening. Gracious and wonderful Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us, Lord. And not only do you love us, but you delight in us because we are your creation. And I pray that as we wrestle with this idea that you love us but don't like us, Lord, that we would recognize that to be a lie from Satan. And that we would see that we are beloved in your sight, not because of anything that we bring to the table, but rather because of what your Son has done for us. I pray all this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYN.